Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mara. Playing behind us today is Anails. Excuse me, be still thy soul. Brian is on the other line. In the valley, on the mountain, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being. I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted in his flame. Amid the sparks of the flames, I beheld only God. Rabia the mystic, a beautiful Muslim, quote, Good morning, Brian. Welcome. Could you please uh, lead us in your prayer? Good morning, Mara. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. We are here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent Him who sent us. You do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because He who sent us will accept us. We are content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with us. We heal as we let him teach us to heal. Good morning once again. How are you this morning, Mara? I am doing well, thank you. I am doing well. I want you all to know that every time I ask Brian how he's doing, he says, wonderful. I've reached an age where well is good enough. <laughs> well, you know why everything is wonderful, don't you, Mara? Yes, I do. <laughs> everything is full of one. <laughs> yes, it Everything is, is wonderful. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And say that again. I probably laughed over it, and, and I do know what you're saying. Why don't you uh, say that for our listeners? Explain what you just said, why it's wonderful. I said, everything is wonderful, because everything is full of one. So everything is wonderful. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful, my friend? In fact, that's the way I now spell the word wonderful. I spell it um, um, capital O-N-D-E-R, capital F-U-L-L. Wonderful. You know, my friends, um, I think that one of the real challenges, and you hear me use that word a lot, challenges, but I think one of the real challenges is to still our soul and to connect and believe that we are one with all that is, that we are enough to be part of God, to be one with God, and yet... In the valley, on the mountain, I beheld only God. You know, we um, all of our stories talk about God as the creator and us as the children created in his or her visage. I, I don't quite care what pronoun we use because God is beyond pronouns. I grew up in the Christian tradition. He and so I'm probably more likely to use that, but that doesn't mean that I would limit uh, my concept of God. But all of the world's religions, the old wisdom of all times, talks about the idea that God created us, that we are children, we are God's children. Now, let's just translate that into human concepts, folks. Are your children? of your parents of course and the concept here with regard to being one with God which is so often difficult to to grasp or to believe because it creates a huge huge obligation it means that when you are acting you are acting as God not how would God feel if he saw your actions but you are acting for God. 
So that means some of us, all of us, when we give, we allow our ego to, ego to control us, are acting out human emotions for God. And we've done that because there are other human beings who have lessons that uh, or opportunities to rise from what we've done. So although we condemn ourselves for our, our negative choices, the reality is those negative choices, the majority of the time, give other people an opportunity to choose higher choices. And in their choosing those higher choices, they become our teachers. And in our choosing our lower choices, we were their teacher. We showed them what they did not want to be. And when they take the high road, they show us what we want to be. So we are forever and always creating the story of who am I. And remember, in the Old Testament, God encouraged, I believe it was Moses, but part of me thinks it may have been Joseph, uh, to say, to go back and say, tell them you are sent by the great I am. Oh, my gosh, my whole body lights up with that realization. And also the realization that God is complete with all of us. Therefore, God is complete when I'm not my highest self, and God is complete when I am. I think you made a... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead, please. I was going to say, I think you made a really fantastic point earlier about how in every moment you're either the the student or the teacher. And I I think that's a really amazing point to think about for a moment on how life is always about giving and receiving. When you give someone... $5 because they're going to give you this cake. You're giving them $5 and you're receiving a cake. But if you flip it around, they're receiving $5 and they're giving you a cake. So in that instance, both people are experiencing giving and receiving just on the other side of the coin. Same thing goes for a point you made about um, I just lost my train of thought. It'll come back. you, you made a wonderful point there uh, of the same idea of teacher and student, is that when you're seeing how um, someone reacts and you don't want to react that way, you don't want to be like that, they're showing you, they're giving you a wonderful example of what you no longer want to be, therefore teaching you. And, on the, and, and so therefore, they're the teacher, you're the student, but then on the flip side of it, they could be, you could be not reacting to their... Um, what they're showing you. And so in that instance, they become the teacher for you and you become the student. And so it's always flipped around. In every moment, it's going both ways. When we can realize and see that we are all connected in that and life is one beautiful dance between all people, between all souls. And there's never it's never one thing going one way or one thing coming the other way. It's always a give and take. There's always the camaraderie, the combination, the togetherness. It's always there. Yes. It takes two to tango, my friend. Yes, it does. There is. You would not see light. You would not know the day was here if it was not that we had darkness. It, it takes the contra. It always does. And... Um, so we need to forgive ourselves for our imperfections because in that moment we were exactly who we needed to be in order to awaken an opportunity in another to be who they need to be. We are such a beautiful dance. You know, I grew up uh, in, in Southern California in a town called Whittier. 
Richard Nixon's hometown. Most of you are too probably too young to know that name. But uh, when I was a, <laughs> but when I I was a kid, that was a big deal. I mean, that was truly a big deal. In fact, the first couch that I had in my life, my mother purchased for me from the law partner of Richard Nixon, who was a person my mother cleaned their house for. And somehow it may have had a deeper connection. It may have been Nixon's. I don't know. But it was just all so amazing, you know, all of the little interconnections in life. The world seemed so small in those days. And believe me, no matter what your political persuasion, if you live in a vice, at that point he was a vice president's um, community, and he drives by, you feel like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, there is someone who has achieved in life. And so I grew up in that world, learned to drive in that world, worked my first job at Disneyland, if you can imagine. You know what, that, that is an exciting thing. You know what I learned at Disneyland? Now I look at my life as like, what did I learn in some of these things? I learned at Disneyland to keep smiling. You know, the smile is the answer. We we were a smile, we were a frown-free zone. That's probably the way to call it, a frown-free zone. You were not allowed to frown. You were not allowed to not do what people wanted. And it was a very interesting world. But I would drive to my job, and it would take, when I was in, um, out of school, because I went to school at a college called Chapman College, which is now Chapman University. And that was where I started my my um, post-high school pursuit of education. And so when I was in school, I would go to Disneyland from my, from my school dorm, obviously. But when I was in... Um, in the summers, so I would drive in, and it would take me uh, 15 minutes to drive into Disneyland, and it would take me two and a half hours to come home. It was just, and during that time, there was there's like a weaving motion on the the Los Angeles freeways. They hardly move, but people let others get in front of them, and then they get behind them, and they. So I mean, uh, they will move over and be behind another car, and someone will let them in. And there's, you've probably seen this, Brian. There. There are accidents. I'm not going to tell you there are not. But my dad always said that I drive like I'm in a dance. Sometimes I lead and sometimes I follow. And that's what life's like. You know, it really is. I know uh, this topic for this week is uh, Monday. Tomorrow is Take God to Work Day. And if you don't make it tomorrow, then do it on Tuesday. But I will tell you that this week has been a phenomenal opportunity for me because decisions have been made around me that impacted me, and I really, um, I'm not sure that I always was my highest self. I expressed some of my feelings about it, um, uh, many of you have listened to the program for a long time, and, and you know my friend Bob, and Bob and I are just really connected. We are messengers here together. Uh, when he tells me one day I'm going to be on Oprah, and I look at how many people listen to the program, and I think that ain't ever going to happen, but I believe him. I see that in my mind, and I believe that that, in fact, is going to happen that he is delivering a message for me. And this week, we, we just had these dynamics. Uh, the world economy is turning upside down for people. I don't know for Bob, but I can understand that people are starting to be more cautious with their money. Things that people relied on in the past, uh, they aren't relying on necessarily anymore. And a friend of ours who was going ended up having to just step back, God bless her, and say, whoa, I'm not sure I can invest in this trip. And I was having similar feelings, but I was going, I'm going to go because I know God wants me to go. This is a journey I need to take. And so she, I think on Wednesday, 
maybe Thursday sent out, I mean, all of this happened in just such a short period. She sent out an email um, that she didn't think that she could go. She had to make the decision not to go. Then the next thing I know, Bob starts looking at his finances, and fear clutched him. And believe me, my friends, step through fear. Bob, if you're listening now, step through fear. When you come to the edge of all that you know, and you are about to step out into the darkness of the unknown, faith teaches you that one of two things will happen. You will stand on solid ground, or you will fly. I fly. I've been doing one of those uh, Hicks manifestation journals, and everything that I believe is, is there for me has happened. I am safe. And I am talking to people, and potentially my programs are listened to many by many, many people after the day that they're aired, and they talk about what I talk about. And that I wrote two years ago. And so... My immediate reaction was, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, I would never do this to you. Ooh, ego, ego, huh? Let's make our friends feel guilty, your best friends in the whole world, huh? And then I just decided, you didn't do anything to me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I have faith in God that I have enough money, and I will have enough money. And so I'm off to China, and I'm hoping Bob joins me because I. <laughs> it's amazing. The minute I decided, I went back to a trip that I was drawn to all along that wasn't exactly what we were looking for, but was close. And that's the one I'm taking, and I'm hoping Bob joins me. It's very inexpensive for him, but if he can't, so be it. Blessings to you, my friend. I love you. And uh, that was that was Thursday. So then Friday morning. Um, or mid-afternoon, I get a phone call, maybe morning, from my brother who was supposed to come here tonight to have dinner with me. <laughs> no reason, just sorry, I can't come. I know my brother's not listening, so I can talk about that fairly openly. Uh, I'm going, what? And his wife can't go with me to San Francisco at the end of the month either. We were going to do a girls' day. I'm going, what? I'm starting to feel like I've got the pox. <laughs> what's wrong with me (laughs) you know i'm not enough my friends what do we call this i'm okay by friday afternoon i was like oh i'm not dying in my head i'm thinking what is the world is this going on here and i'm starting to say what lessons are there in this for me lord What lessons are there in this for me? And praise God I was. Because yesterday my mom and dad come and tell me that they've decided to make my brother their beneficiary on their only life insurance policy. (laughs) These are people that I spend time with every week (laughs) and my brother does wonderful things for them and my parents are not wealthy and you know that amount of money is probably just about enough to bring them even uh bring my brother even with him buying their funeral pots and all that stuff but and so it's okay you know it really is okay but i thought i would have by the way i i would have divided it amongst everybody you know not I wouldn't have treated it as though it was something that was coming to me. But it was like at that point I thought, okay, God, you've got me. Do I sound pretty shallow out there, my friends? I'm inviting God to be with me today so I can take him to work with me every day. But, whoa, talk about three earth-shaking events for me in one moment. For my very best friends in the world, my brother, and then my parents. (laughs) I truly am laughing because I can laugh today. I couldn't laugh yesterday. 
What lesson? Oh, now my and now I have this new dog too. I've always had little little teeny Shisu dogs, and I I know whatever the word other word people call them. I refuse to call my dogs that. And uh, now I have this big Malamute who's licking my knee. That's like having a bath. (laughs) I just (laughs) fortunately I know where her uh, her mouth has just been, but I mean she just gave me a bath on my leg, and uh, all in one week. All in three days, Lord, what lessons are there in this for me? And then I pulled a Conversation with God card, and it said, each soul basically has its own journey. Let it happen. Because you know what, folks? When all is said and done, I am safe. I am safe. And everything needs, everybody has to define their own life journey. But I am safe. And so this week, I certainly have not been true to my highest self. And and Brian, I didn't tell you about any of that. And I know you've had a week. And I think that our showing our fallibility is important in what we're doing here, folks, because Brian and I aren't standing here or sitting here. I'm sitting. I know what Brian's doing because he's all the way in Southern California and I'm in Northern California. But I can tell you this. I'm sitting on a little bar stool, if you want to imagine it, in my kitchen looking around thinking, where is the maid? You know, jeez. At least that woman would get here. You know, or I wish whoever owns this house would stop dropping her legal stuff on the counter as she walks in the door. One or the other. We need <laughs> we need to get this straightened out. But putting all that aside, folks, Brian and I are just regular people like you, just regular people. We may be blessed with a little more liquidity. We may be able to have a few more choices. But when all is said and done, we're just regular people facing life's challenges. And we're not, and, and that's the glory of our message, is you don't have to be special. You don't have to be saintly. You don't have to have never sinned. Excuse me, Shirley, leave my sweater alone, please. That dog could, one bite, could, my sweater would disappear. So uh, there we go again, folks. What are all my sweaters hanging out here on my dining room table for? Uh, it's like, what are we doing? Uh, but bottom line, we're just regular people. And the reason that we are here talking is because we have the same influence as regular people. And now Brian's going to tell us about his week, which also has had its challenges. Am I right? Oh, yes, it has. But before I, I share that, I think the, the, the wonderful point that you made earlier was that um, just to remain true to yourself and to walk your journey, I think that is the strong point that's coming about right now, especially in these times. You know, when we talk about the financial situation and job losses and, you know, some people see this as doom and gloom. But I really look at it, here's just just another perspective to look at it from. The way I see it is that all the things, all the hindrances in our lives are now dropping away because we were doing things that people told us we needed to do to survive. Instead of doing the things that brought us the most joy and pleasure and waking up in the morning saying, it's great to be alive, and I'm going to love going to work. And, you know, life is, is meant to be joyous. We are God's we children. Don't need to all, exactly. We don't all have to consume uh, like we're the Rockefellers, you know, and well, get ourselves in debt. The, well, but, but the whole idea of debt is what I'm trying to talk about, is that this is all false ideas because you are basically looking for things outside yourself for satisfaction. But when you realize that you bring the satisfaction to the world, the satisfaction comes from you, not from things outside of yourself, then those things will just fall away. But what I'm talking about is the fear factors of, like, for instance, what me and you were talking about earlier was that mm-hmm. I have a roommate, and this is what I'll be sharing about with my personal situation, is that I have a roommate that she's been here for two months and it hasn't been the, the most satisfactory of relationships. And so la- yesterday we had a, a, a um, bumping of heads, if you will, and it didn't turn out very well. And I felt the, the sting of fear, if you will, and I felt like I was being attacked. 
and she made some threats, not not physical threats, but other threats, and I was just like, um, you know, I got I got a little bit consumed by that for the for of a good portion of the day, and it wasn't until I left that alone, not trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do everything within my power to make sure that this ha- um, turns out in my favor, which is what we try to do when we try to solve a problem, is that we're, I'm not going to, no, there's no way this person is going to get away with that or get away with this. I'm going to do, in fact, I'm going to do this to them so that they can't do that. And we start scheming and finding ways to fight against the other person and went out in this so-called battle. And it wasn't until I let the whole situation go, and I mean literally said, whatever happens, is meant to be, and I will face it as it comes. Until I actually declared that was inside myself and truly believed it, not just said the words, but let it go fully, that when I came home, she she came up to me and said, I'm going to be leaving in the next couple of days. This isn't working out. And prior to that, it was, uh, she was telling me I had to evict her and all these threats were going on, and here she comes to me and it just, it got handled. I didn't have to do anything. And so I realized that when we can let these old ways go, which, is not, which isn't always the easiest thing to do, because when we do that, sometimes we can feel unsafe. We can feel raw. We can feel totally exposed and vulnerable. And, and, we, and we become fearful from that because we don't know where we're going to go. But when we can do that and say, okay, those things were taken from my life, if you will, because they were no longer serving me. Now there's room for something to come in that will bring me so much joy or help me to recognize the joy within inside myself more than I ever thought possible. And so like I was telling Mara is she was asking me, am I going to get another roommate? And I said, I don't know. I'm not being compelled to do that right now. And I, and I feel like I want to always listen to God wherever I'm being led. And if, and if I have to sell my home or whatnot, that's fine. I'll do it. And, and she started to say, you know, well, this isn't the best time to sell your home. And again, I was going, that's other people's ideas. If God's telling me to sell my home now, that means there's better coming. There's always better coming whenever something is being taken from your life or you're being led to move from that place. It's always better. And when you can know that and trust, you'll, you'll never go wrong. You'll always be and cared for. And then what for. did she say? And then what did Mira say? <laughs> and she, she said that... Um, I I know that you're walking you're walking your own path, and I trust in that, and I bless you in that. Yeah, because I've done the same thing, my friend. I, you know, there was one time when I stepped off the the road that everyone thought I should be traveling to their shock and dismay, and I decided I need a break from this. I need a break from being a lawyer and the pressures and the stresses and strains. And I ended up living uh, with my stuff in a storage shed for a while. I didn't live with my stuff. I lived in a house. And, uh, but I had the freedom to follow my arm. And it was beautiful, and God took care of me. And there's no better evidence that God took care of me than when I look out now and I, I live in like a tree house. It's kind of an amazing thing, a beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking out the window here because the upstairs is in the midst of these very old trees and there's all these trees around me and leaves and Sometimes I go, oh, my gosh, so much leaves. Where is the gardener? <laughs> you know, I wish the gardener would come. But the point is that I, um, I was taken care of, and I'm safe, and I know Brian will be safe too. And I know each and every one of you will be safe, my friends. You will be safe. No matter what challenges are facing you right now, you will be safe. And those of you who are facing economic challenges, you will be safe. You are providing our society, this country, an opportunity to evaluate, is this how we want to treat people? When we get rid of jobs, and we don't have enough jobs for people, and yet we somehow give people's worth and value based on their jobs, and there aren't enough jobs, does that make those human beings worthless? I think not. 
I think not. And I think all that is going on is providing us an opportunity to rethink the Protestant work ethic, which has been the foundation of our country, and to reevaluate and to move into a time, a new time, my friends, dare I say, a new age, where we realize that if you exist, your mere existence gives you value. I project that we are moving into a time when we set aside the fears generated by a belief that the Antichrist is coming. And we start having a more noble, more balanced, more loving look at the people around us. And that we begin setting up a time, an economy grounded in the idea of human worth and value. And that everyone should have a minimum amount of money to survive on. And that maybe people who have private corporate jets and make hundreds of millions of dollars, which is what's driving all of this, is their greed, need less. So maybe we need a cap and a floor. And that doesn't mean that you can't invest your money and get more money. It just means that Every human being has value, and no one in our country should have to live on the street. Homelessness is my mission. No one should have to live on the street. And that's BS that people want to live on the street. You know what? Even if people want to live on the street 364 days a year, and there's only one day a year that they don't want to live on the street, then one day a year they should be able to go live where they want. But we don't provide that opportunity in our society. We don't have open eyes for those who are have-nots, the down-and-outers. And we are now moving into a whole new time because suddenly our friends who were so well-blessed and who had as much as we have are without. So have they suddenly become worthless? I think not. But in their gaining worth, so does every other human being in their circumstance. It's not just that they've had a bad time. It's an eye-opener for us that we can lead with kindness, that we can encourage people to reach out in love. I have a quote from F.W. Robertson, kindly words, sympathizing attention, Watchfulness against wounding men's sensitiveness. These cost very little, but they are priceless in their value. I suggest we move a little bit beyond our words and we start taking God to work with us, to the store with us, on our trips with us. I want to share this passage from this book that I've been reading for the last little while. And it's a book by an author by the name of Brent Haskell. And the book is called Beyond or Journey Beyond Words. And I think it really speaks about the truth of who we are. And hearing these words, I hope, resonates with you and helps you to remember something that's within you already. And it says here, and this is quite long, pause for a moment and imagine that you are God. Imagine that you are the creator of all that is. Imagine that you are the source, the giver of all life, that nothing happens without you, without your choice, without your wish, without your thoughts. Just try to imagine that you are God. And in your imagining, ask yourself, what would I need? What could I possibly ask for of another being to make me more complete than I am? Ask yourself, could anything or anyone else deprive me of anything? 
if you were God and you wanted to, to experience something, what would you do? I believe your answer must be you would simply think it within your mind and it would be. Then try to imagine, if you were God, that something or someone could oppose you, could be your opposite. You would realize, ah, I am the source of all that is. There can be no opposite. Even the thought of an opposite wouldn't really exist, for I would be God. Then try to imagine, if you were God, needing something else to love you. And remember, as God, you are the source. You are the completion. You are the completeness of all that is. Then imagine, perhaps a bit differently, if you were God, wanting to extend, wanting to give, wanting to send out what you are, to take that which truly is yourself, realizing it as love, and extending it to a universe of your own creation, that could be joy. That could be fullness. For that would be the extension and expansion of yourself. If you were God, extending yourself could not make you greater. For you are already all that is. You would not need to extend yourself, which we are calling love, out of simple joy the joy of experience, the joy of life. Try for a moment, if you can, to imagine, beyond your thinking, what, what it would be like to be God, where you are complete, where you are whole, where it is impossible to find anything because you know that you are the source. You are all that is. Then imagine what it might be like to extend yourself into the creation of what you might call things, which are thoughts or beings which exist within you and yet through you as a part of you and which can never be separate from that which is you. Try for this moment, if you can, to imagine that you are God. You are, the, you are one with all that is. God is your source, but you are one with that source. The completeness that is God is you. God cannot need anything outside of him, and although you can, in your thinking, imagine yourself having needs, in truth, there is nothing that could complete you more than you are already completed. You are the Son of God. You are the God in your life. Of your own life, you are all that is. Nothing in this life can exist outside of yourself. Of all that you experience, there is nothing that is not within you. Being the God of your life, if you desire, if you choose to experience anything, just as with God himself, all you need do is create within your mind, and it is. Hear me well. What I am describing to you is exactly the way your life is. There exists no thing in your life which is not your own creation. There is no imagined absence of anything in your life which is not likewise by your own creation. Of your life, you are God. Hear me well. Of your life, you are God. And your goal in this life is to come to the point where it could not occur that you're thinking that something could happen, that you could experience anything other than by your own willful choice. You are very holy. The power of God is express expressing itself through you with every thought and with every feeling. Every relationship with yourself, which is a relationship with God. For you are indeed God. Of your life, you are God. You are indeed very holy. 
and your holiness envelops everything you see. The mere fact that you see it all is an expression of your holiness. Were, not, were you not very holy, were you not the God of, of your creation, your life would be a void. Your holiness blesses the world, and you, as the Son of God, are blessed in return. Everything you choose to experience is of God, and you are blessed by whatever you choose. You are blessed by your pain, because as the God of your life, you would not have chosen your pain unless it brought you great joy. Hear me well. You would not have chosen your pain unless it brought you great joy. And what brings you pain? The thoughts that seem to tell you it is pain. That is all. For as we have said, it is your thoughts, creations of the past, that deprive you of experiencing this moment and your godliness. It is your thoughts that separate you from that which is. It is your thoughts that separate you from yourself. Truly, without your thoughts, that which you have called your pain and which you have created for your joy would indeed be your joy. I share that passage because I, to me it speaks so um, volumes of the truth of what we are and the truth of the fact that we can think of ourselves as separate from another. And the whole idea, which are a lot of ideas that I see being expressed in the world, is get yours before he gets his. The whole idea that there's not enough and we have to make sure we get our own and take care of our own is a false idea of separation that we have to make it all happen when really we're creating that situation and then trying to solve it from a lesser place. In other words, we're creating it, putting ourselves in the game, and then saying we've got to figure ourselves, figure it out from inside the game instead of from the, that which created the game from outside of the game, if you will. And all we have to do is go back to the cause, <clears throat> go back to the source, and recreate it, and it will change instantly. What would love do now? Amen. That's really... That really is many times the question, what would love do now? And it's, it's a question so seldom we ask ourselves, uh, well, we may get there at some point. I mean, we we arrive at, in that question, but it takes a while. And um, it, it, uh, it, if we could lead with that question, if when you take God to work tomorrow and you face that challenge, uh, challenging personality or someone who's attacking you, those are the challenges, those are the points that your ego steps in and the need to be right as opposed to being at peace, as Don Miguel Reese would call it, uh, steps up. And sometimes we do become pre precise with our words, but... It, the precision in our words is not in love. It, they are not loving words, but they instead are words that are designed to cut, flay, and destroy. And that is what so interests me, because my grandfather was someone who could heal people's physical bodies. And what the obligation I bring to me, the one that I have, is someone who can heal people's emotional pain. And, and so we've changed so much, and so much of that emotional pain comes from the words that we use. And so we have such a choice there. And, and those words that we use to characterize things actually are what shape our thoughts. Because I find it, when what Brian said, that nothing can exist outside of you is so true. I wrote down before he ever got to the part about thoughts, the word thoughts on my sheet of paper here in front of me, that, that what words we use to describe an incident, to describe a person, uh, to describe our feelings, uh, to describe our world, to describe everything, are uh, the words that will echo on in and create that reality in front of us. My mother is a woman 
who has blessed me with her presence because no matter how meager in some people's eyes her life is, for her it is burgeoning with beauty and with love. She has her favorite store is the dollar store, and she buys all sorts of wonderful things there, and they become treasures in her house. And when you walk into her house, you feel the emotion of the treasures that are surrounding her there. And when she talks, she talks in terms of those emotions. That's not to say that sometimes she doesn't sidestep, because she does. But when all is said and done, from my mother I learned, it is important how we see the world we live in. And my mom sees her trailer as beautiful, her mobile home as beautiful and as exquisite as I see the house that I live in. Whereas most people would step into my house and say, wow, many might not even dare to step into the beauty of my mom's dwelling because of fear it might not be enough. We need to, my friends, when we take God to work with us tomorrow, we need to see more in others than they show us. We need to lead with love. And when someone is really trying you, instead of lashing out with words that later have to be healed in yourself and echo around for them forever, in 11 seconds you can completely destroy with simple word choice. So instead of, as you're leading out in love, When you're thinking, you think, wait a minute, can't you see I'm leading in love here? When you feel that emotion, because my friends, that's what it's all about. It's learning to recognize within yourself the feeling of when you are about to give in to ego and stopping it. And when you don't do that, reaching out again in love and the next time trying to stop it. Together. And so we need to forgive ourselves when we don't make perfect decisions. But if we can reach out in love, when you feel that desire to give in to your ego, to say harsh words, you start looking for validation. Many of us do. If you find yourself asking that words you said be validated, you need to ask yourself, why did I say those words? If you want to ask that your emotions, your negative emotions be validated and worthy, you should be having them, you need to ask yourself, why am I having those feelings? And when you're in that validation mode, what I suggest you do and what saves me, my friends, is send love. I will say simply, I send Joe Blow everything I want and have in life because I am truly blessed, my friends. I am safe. And so let's send Joe Blow happiness, contentment, satisfaction, joy, love, safety, security, friendship, companionship. Send that to Joe and feel in yourself the lessening of the need to have negative thoughts validated because now you're leading in love. And bite your tongue. Still your email fingers. When you're feeling the agitation of ego inside of yourself, that means you are about to step into the chaos. Step back. Send love. Wow, wow you made so many wonderful points. And they really all coalesced into one another. And I just want to pull up a couple of points and and uh, maybe paint a, a um, another picture with it. And that is, 
much like you said, is that when you're starting to feel yourself wanting to respond negatively in a way, you're gonna you're gonna jump into the chaos. And if you can still that, that is a beautiful way of taking God to work with you. And much like you mentioned earlier about, I can't remember who it was, but her home and how she goes to dollar store and she buys treasures of her own home, but someone might come in and say, wow, this meek living, you know, you've got problems or whatnot. And I, I realized that the greatest gift we can give to ourselves and to another is to not only be satisfied with the way we choose to live our lives in our homes and whatever in our personal lives, but also when we step into someone else's um, area to drop our judgments, to not bring any judgments with us. And instead of looking at it from our perspective, like if this were my home, what would I do? Rather, plug into them, plug into their happiness and see how much joy they get from their surroundings. And when we can plug into that, then we can, see, we can be with them in that joy and be happy for them because we know it's not our home and we don't have to live there. <clears throat> and so we can just be happy for the person that they're happy. You know, this actually comes to mind on a situation that happened to me over the Christmas holiday. I went to a, um, a home out in Pasadena, which is a pretty old area of town of the state of, you know, in the state of California in one of the towns. And they have some beautiful homes over there. And these people spent so much time and energy remodeling their home. And it was very beautiful. And I enjoyed myself when I was there. And anybody who was there, I, I think, would think that it was a beautiful place. But I personally did not want to live there. They had so many antique things laying around, and it looked like there was, you know, having to... It's, it's all things that you just look at and don't touch, which is fine for them, but that's not how I would choose to live my life. But that didn't mean I have to condemn them and say, what a waste of space. I could sit in the beauty of what they saw and be with them in that. And so if we can take with us to take ourselves out of the picture for a minute and try to see life through the other person's eyes, we'll be able to take God with us and see the beauty that they see. Yes, yes. Ask yourself even, when somebody is attacking you, you know, so often I I can tell you I'm not, I have not mastered doing this, but so often, you know, you need to look at what that person, what's going on in that person's life, that causes them to need to lead with attack, that causes them to need to lead as a naysayer. Or back when I was the um, I was the pastor parish chair for my church. The somebody gave me a book that said the antagonist in the church, and I read that book. And that book, I say that all the time. Now I'll say, "Wow, it sounds like that person may be the antagonist in the church." Now, what do I gain from those words? I I gain a recognition that something is going on in this person's life that causes them to need to have attention that is not necessarily coming from a positive source. That isn't necessarily, you know, opening. Uh, and then, so now, hi, what's motivating this person provides us an opportunity to show what motivates us. Which, my friends, I dare to suggest, if you listen to our program, and many of you are regulars who do listen, what motivates us is we're trying our very best in this human form to lead in love, recognizing our connection with you. It doesn't matter if you feel comfortable thinking about yourself as love. Just think about the person who's standing beside you as your kin, your kin in love. We have, um, Brian and I have talked almost the entire day today. We have only six minutes left to um to have us all join together, and uh, and that's okay. That's okay because this has been a great conversation, Brian. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on Lisa Lynn and George Tortorella. That's what we're on, my friends. We're all on a journey together. And we're down to only five minutes left. And I'm going to... Uh, Instead of having Brian do the centering today, 
I'm going to ask that we all just breathe together. Because that's what the centering is about, really, probably. So maybe I'm saying I'm going to do Brian's job today because we have only five minutes left. And I want to leave a minute for Brian at the end. And I'm the one who looks at the switchboard. So I will uh, just go, we're going to all start taking some deep breaths together. And these breaths are going to be grounded in love. F.W. Robertson said, excuse me, um, Bayez said in Atar Tad Karat, a Muslim passage, it reads, The sign of the friend of God is that he has three qualities. A generosity like that of the earth. A compassion like that of the sun. And a humility like that of the earth. A generosity like that of the ocean. I think I misspoke originally. A compassion like that of the sun and humility like that of the earth. So now let us breathe in air, and we're going to pull that air up. We're breathing deeply. We want to try to have our in-breath be 30 seconds. That's a half a minute. Oh, my goodness. Breathing in. And that air is fearless air. It's creative. It's healing. It's loving. It's forgiving. It's manifesting, recognizing our ability to create our thoughts in our world and how we see it. Opening, opening your head. Allow that air to circle in the air so that you are connected to God, that you are genetically connected to God. You are His worker child. Feel the wonderful energy of reunion, remembering. Feel that energy and now blow your air out, trying to take 10 seconds so that it goes out slowly, going across your shoulders. Feel your shoulders relaxing in the realization that the stress of not being enough is gone. You are enough. Feel the release of that negativity you hold about yourself. You are special. Feel the glistening glow of knowing you are loved just as you are. Life is about you, my friends. Pulling in your breath again. Pull in loving energy for yourself and know that that energy is active and alive because you are loved by God just as you are. There is nothing you have ever done that would ever separate you from God. The most heinous things in the world do not separate people from God. Those heinous events provide us an opportunity to see the little teeny spark of light in another and know that that person has had a sad life. What could have happened to make those heinous things possible? Lead in love, my friends. Blow out this breath and know that you can take God to work with you, that God is always there waiting to join you. Brian, we have one minute left, I believe. I would just like to leave all you listeners with this one last thought, that you are part of all that is. You are one with everything. And you are helping the one to experience itself. How are you expressing yourself in this world? 
What experiences are you bringing to the one? As you might look at some situations in your life, remember that you can always choose again. You can always start now to start expressing yourself differently. And anything you've done in the past could not hinder you from moving forward the way you wish to act now. How are you expressing yourself? Namaste. Namaste. Remember when God told us his name, the great I am. Say it, my friends. What is God's name? I am. Namaste. Peace be with you until next Sunday. Actually, until Friday. I'll be talking to you all from Santa Fe next week. Namaste. And always remember to please lead with love. Love you all. Yes, and watch Brian's show, uh, Radiate Love Without Expectation, Nara Narayana. Namaste. Namaste.